Thank you, Trent. That was so beautiful. Um, I know for me, um, just music, praise music, Christian songs, that's, that's really what speaks to my heart the most. Um, and I even have, well, right now my phone is kind of broken. It needs to be replaced. <laughs> but I did have my um, alarm always set to different praise music. I would switch it up all the time. But that's, to me, that just is amazing. And it's amazing that you write those songs. So just thank you so much. Um, a few years ago, I think it was, um, well, I know it was, my daughter got married. Our daughter got married in 2017 in October. And um, right about that time, a song came out called Build My Life, which most of you would know. And at that time, it, the version that I'm thinking of was sung by an artist named Christy uh, Knuckles or Nichols or something like that. Anyway, um, my daughter, she got married up in Cayucas, California, on the coast of California. And we were staying in a, um, we had different houses and our house was right at the beach. And so the couple, the day before our wedding and the morning of the wedding, I was walking that beach listening to my music and that song just kept going over and over in my head and that was my prayer for my daughter and her husband Matt, that they would build their life on that foundation. And um, so that goes right into um, the scripture that I want to start with. And this is um, Jesus' words on how we should live our lives. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And um, I'm going to read, I might have a little bit different version here, but I want to read it just because I really liked the words. Um, I think this is New Living Testament. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the um, winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And so I thought about those verses, and I, and I thought, I'm going to paraphrase it to kind of apply to our marriages, because I think it's, it's such a good... Um, metaphor for building our marriage also on the rock. And um, this is what I wrote. It's very similar, but it says, the wise couple build their marriage on Jesus the rock. The rains fall, the storms and floods engulf them, the winds blow and beat on their marriage, but it will not fall because it is built on the rock. But if we don't listen to and follow Jesus's teachings, we are being foolish and we are building our marriage on the sand. When the rains and floods come, and they will come, right? I mean, everybody has rains and floods in their life. Uh, when the wind blows and beats against our marriage, it will be broken apart and have a great crash. It will fall and fall greatly. It doesn't mean it can't be built back up again, but I don't think any of us want to go through that crash. Um, we've been talking about ways this last few days ways to build our marriage on that foundation. And Jim is just going to share a few more thoughts here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we chose that scripture because, for one thing, it's one of the most often quoted scriptures that, of Jesus because it's the Sermon on the Mount, uh, most popular sermon ever. Mm -hmm. And we chose that scripture because, really, when you summarize what we've been talking about is 
you know, we got to build our foundation, obviously, on the rock. And we kind of have laughed about this because as we've shared with you, our, our marriage is what we call high maintenance. Um, it's not always easy, and there's times when you know, we like each other, and there's times when we bug each other and whatnot. <laughs> we both come from somewhat dysfunctional backgrounds. And so people will always ask us, you know, what are the key ingredients that make up a successful marriage is that we have this thing all together. And really, there's no simple answer, okay? I mean, it's kind of simple, but it's not easy. I used that phrase yesterday. Mm -hmm. And as we started looking at patterns, there are two words that rise above the rest. And we want to introduce you to these two words. And a lot of times people don't put these two words together. But these words rise above the rest for us. And it's positive adaptability. As we started looking at marriages that were stable, as we started looking at marriages that were doing well, these were marriages that actually had those two words within them called positive adaptability. And the fascinating part is, as you look at patterns in marriage, patterns in marriage, if people have that pattern of being you know, somewhat positive and adaptable in the marriage, then their marriage is good. And if they don't, then again, their marriage crashes. But one of the things I hope you've got out of this is that true intimacy is oftentimes built around the freedom to disagree. One of the mistakes we make when we come to a, a, a conference like this is that we're supposed to always be on the same page. And what I'm saying is, no, I don't think you have to be on the same page, but you do have to have you know, kind of adaptable spirit, a positive spirit. So there's three points. These are the simplest points. And what we really hope you do is when you walk out of here, you go, wait, not only are we doing this for many of you, but we can do this. Are you ready for the first one? Be adaptable. Sounds simple, doesn't it? So I mentioned that Neil Clark Warren, uh, the eHarmony founder, was a real uh, mentor in my life and a great expert in marriage, frankly, a really neat, strong Christian. And uh, I was in his office. I did some work with eHarmony. I actually like a lot of what they do. And... Uh, and I asked him, I said, Neil, what is the most important trait of a healthy, vibrant marriage? Now, again, this is one of the great marriage experts of the world, and he answered very quickly, just said it's adaptability. And we went on to talk about the fact that, you know, life happens, and your marriage is going to change. I mean, you're in a place right now with your marriage, but I got news for you, next week, next month, Next year, your marriage is going to change, and stuff happens. As Kathy said, rain comes to everybody. So you're either in the middle of a storm, you're just getting over a storm, or you're going to go into a storm, and I hate to say that to you, but you know, stuff does happen. And really, what we find is that adaptability is one of the key factors. Dr. Warren went on to say in that conversation I had with him in his new office, actually, they have a new office in, in West Hollywood. He said, if I could give one gift to every couple on their wedding day, I would wrap up a large box filled with adaptability because no matter how good your relationship is, you'll have to be flexible enough to change yourself and at least tolerate your partner's differences. <laughs> and I think that's good. There's certain things that just, I drive Kathy nuts at times and Kathy drives me nuts. I mean, as we've said this, I mean, we, have very, we are very different people. And as we've mentioned, kind of reviewing some of the things, so I'm an extrovert, she's an introvert. So that drives us nuts sometimes, okay? And yet, I also like her introversion, and, and hopefully sometimes she likes my you know, extroversion, I don't know. Um, <laughs> we talked about the detailed and not so detailed. Again, I said she's thinking that is responsible and less responsible, but again, we're not going to talk about that right now. I'm the eternal optimist. I mean, I really am. I, I mean, I'm ridiculously yeah. eternal optimist. Mm -hmm. She's a realist. She's not negative Nancy, she's just a realist. Okay, And so when the realist meets the eternal optimist, man, that's hard for us sometimes because I'm like, seriously, it's going to be okay. Okay, There's no money in the bank, but we're going to make this thing happen, Okay, um, whatever the, you know, the story might be. And 
there's a principle that I want to share with you that we apply, and actually, this is one of the most important principles. We've been saving some of the best for last, I think. Here's the principle for us, because you are also different, and you're different, and you're going to have to embrace your, your differences at times. Are you ready for the principle? Does it really matter? I mean, does it really matter? That's the principle. Does it really matter? Now, again, some things matter. I mentioned this. Adultery matters. Abuse matters. Addictions matter. There's other things that matter. But really, most things don't matter. And let me say this, that if everything matters, then you don't have a good relationship because you're too focused on all the, on all the negative stuff. See? Now, let's take a very important illustration. It's the toothpaste tube that you share. <laughs> That's important, isn't it? We so let's share. say that your partner uh, squeezes from the middle. Yeah. And that you roll it nice and neatly, may I add, as Jesus would do. <laughs> I mean, in reality, does it really matter? I'm not sure it does. In fact, I would say that you could actually buy two tubes of toothpaste, and you would never have to fight on that. Okay? So does it really matter? Do you guys have two tubes of toothpaste? See? That's see? why they are successful in their marriage. You guys have two tubes of toothpaste. I yeah. see another two. I've got, there's two. There, look at this. All of you, you know this thing, does it really matter? Now, what I want to do is I want to introduce you to a couple, and this couple got married on a Saturday, and this is Sunday morning, okay? And they're actually um, in a very nice, it looks like a very nice hotel. Wait, you guys just kissed in the middle of this. Like, I didn't say you guys could kiss yet. I understand. We have two tubes of toothpaste. He goes out of his way to fix mine. Oh, oh my yeah. He kind of can't you, leave you alone either since you guys are like kissing in the middle of our talk. Um, I mean, does it really matter? No, it does. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Kathy just changes the, my drawers or how I fold things or whatever. I'm on, right now I'm on towel up. folding restriction too. Because her, her love language, <laughs> is getting off the subject, but her love language is acts of service. And so, you know, I do a lot of the folding, um, and, but she won't let me fold the towels because I don't do it right. So, well, because you know. it has to fit in a certain way. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. This is going to be chaos today. I can just tell. This is ridiculous. So back to this video. Now, some things matter, and maybe there is in, in this. Now, if you like British humor, you'll like this. If you don't like British humor, you're going to think this is the grossest thing, and I do apologize ahead of time if you don't like British humor. But anyway, this is a couple who, you know, one, they're not even 24 hours married yet.
Okay, so <laughs> some things might really matter, right? <laughs> he needs, that guy needs some training. <laughs> so um, before we decide, though, like, you know, in our relationship, and all, all kidding aside now, being serious, we, when we decide that, oh, we have to say something, you know, do we really have to say everything we think? But we think we have to say something. Um, we get angry, like something just all of a sudden we just see red. Or we start a fight. We need to ask ourselves, does it really matter? And to really think about that. And um, that, and I think in that case, I think it did matter. I, don't, I, I couldn't live with that. Um, oh, oh, no. <laughs> Okay, there is a Winston Churchill quote that uh, might be coming up, but it says, you will never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. You know, a good point because some of us, you know, um, I won't say who it is, but I think it's me. <laughs> you know, we notice everything and sometimes we just have to let things go and not have to point out every single thing. Um, adaptable spouses don't have to ha always have it their way. They're willing to surrender. Bear with each other. Bear with each other's faults. Bear with, e with each other's weaknesses. Jim is really good, not so much at the beginning, but he's learned to put up with that I'm not always um, early. Now, I'm not always even on time, I guess. That's what he would say. And today I realized I was in our room and I was, he was here. I think you came to eat breakfast. That was right. it. And I was kind of looking at the talk, working on it. All of a sudden I thought, you know, I probably should look and see what time it is. And it was 9.20. And I was still in my pajamas. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so I took the fastest shower ever and got ready. And I just thought you'd be so proud of me. You made that it. I made it. Yeah, but um, anyway, that has kind of driven him crazy. But he has learned to bear with me. And um, his joke is that... Um, what do you always say about worship songs? I, I've said that you've only, in the 45 years of marriage, been to the first set, well, the first stanza of a worship song maybe twice. That's what he said. I don't know if that's totally true, but okay. okay maybe three times. <laughs> um, adaptable spouses don't whine and complain. They can go with the flow and find reasons to be thankful in any situation. Because if we whine and complain about everything that happens in our marriage, in our family, whatever, that's all we'll be doing. And then um, adaptable spouses don't blame or shame. We can accept and we can forgive each other. Yeah. So the question we have for you is how's your adaptability in your marriage? If your adaptability is good, then you probably are going in a good way. If you're not very adaptable, then you may be struggling with many issues. And I'll be honest with you. If you happen to be that control person then that's tougher for you if you are one who um, tends to be the control freak. If you are, that's hard. And you're going to have to, to wean um, yourself from some of this. Okay, It's not easy for the weenie or, or the weaner sometimes, but that's <laughs> So be adaptable. Okay, We said they're simple, but they're not easy. The second one is be positive. Okay, So again, positive adaptability, be, be positive. Come to find out positivity is the twin sibling to adaptability. Now, positivity is the emotional climate. So again, we're going back to emotions as we look mm -hmm. at intimacy. Mm -hmm. How's the emotional climate in your relationship right now? And again, this is something you have to work on 
This is something we always have to work on, but the emotional climate is, is actually very, very key. Uh, a man that most everybody who does anything on marriage quotes is Dr. John Gottman, who is really the key researcher. He's out of the University of Washington, and we're all looking at his great research. He's a Jewish uh, uh, person who actually does amazing research. And he says that the main difference between a stable and an unstable marriage is the positivity you have toward each other. Now, again, that's hard because we live with each other. But if you're being positive, and sometimes that's a proactive trait, that's an intentional trait, but if you're being positive, then your marriage pattern is going to go well, and if you're not being positive, it's probably not going to go as well. Now, what's fascinating about this, as I look at Dr. Gottman's research, is the people who have a better marriage have the same problems. You see, they just have a different way of looking at it, okay? And, and actually, as we think about it, life is more about perspective than it is about circumstance. I said this earlier, uh, you know, on Friday, I think, but your circumstance may not change, but your attitude can change. And that really does make all the difference in the world. And so I'm not talking about a Pollyanna positivity, you know, just kind of faking it. No, I'm saying that, you know, there is an element that, that you can make that happen today. I do this one-year Bible. I've done it since 1983. I've, I'm finally almost done with it. No, I, I do it every year. And, uh, and I'm actually, it's funny because I come across a little bit more spontaneous, but man, I, I am like obsessive compulsive OCD. on a lot of things. OCD on this. Yeah. And one of the things I did was I also then, and I taught kids this back in the days when I was working with kids, is I would teach them acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And I do it in my journal. I did it today. And today what I did, in terms of positivity with Kathy, not because it was a bad day, this has been an incredible weekend for us, but I wrote reasons why I was thankful for Kathy. And so many times in my life, if I'm bugged at her and I need to be more positive toward her, then just by writing the reasons I'm thankful. Kathy and I were here at Mount Hermon, and we had done a family camp uh, many years ago. And it had been a wonderful, incredible time. In fact, I think it was actually one of the first times Dave came up. And as some of you know, Dave, we have this mm -hmm. love, you know, I kind of have a pastor worship type crush on him. <laughs> and, um, and so does Kathy. And, uh, and we were so happy to see him. And he had been the worship pastor at the church that we were part of. So that's a cool you know, relationship that we had. And we had just had a beautiful time at Mount Hermon and met so many wonderful people. And it was a whole week long. And if you haven't been to their family camp, man, go. It's just a phenomenal experience. And there's nothing mm -hmm. like a Mount Herman family camp. There's other family camps, and mm -hmm. I'm sure not burning on them because they're beautiful and wonderful, but this is a pretty special thing. So then we decided we were coming down to see Heidi, who Heidi is now 31, but um, she was at Cal Poly slow. So we stopped in Carmel, and we spent a night and, you know, at the cheapest motel in Carmel, and that was still expensive for us. <laughs> and uh, we had long walks and moments of romance and great dinner, and I even remember the Italian place that we went to and all that. And and it had just been like magical. And we start driving down Highway 1, which is our favorite drive. And Kathy looks at me all of a sudden. She goes, you know, I think you're getting a double chin. And I'm like, so I look in the mirror. Now, none of you are listening to what I'm saying. You're all looking to see if I have a double chin. I get this. Okay, quit it. Stop it. Okay. So I look in the mirror, and there's no double chin in my mind because I'm going, I don't see a double chin no, like this. And we just had this amazing amount of time, and it was so good and so, so beautiful. And so um, she went, yeah, honestly, I mean, you know, maybe you gained a few pounds at, at Mount Hermon, and you know, I know you ate a lot. You, you had two pieces of bread at, at, uh, you know, at that Italian restaurant or whatever. And I am so mad at her, because I'm like, how could she do this to me after we've had this amazing time? And we just had amazing romance. And so I um, just, I just got quiet. 
And so I started gazing at those beautiful rocks in the water. It's amazing. They're always there. Every time I go down Highway 1, <laughs> I still see those things. And we're driving, and she's kind of quiet, and she all of a sudden uh, doesn't say much. And, and it was as if God spoke to me and said, and I really mean this, and it was kind of like in a still small voice. It was a whisper, but practice what you've been learning. Practice thank therapy. Practice saying the reasons why you're thankful for her. And so I said, thank with gritted teeth, thank you for the great time we had. And then in my heart I went, I can't believe she just said I had a double chin. And, and I have gained a little weight, but you know. And, and then thank you for the amazing mom. Thank you for the years of our marriage and our commitment and what she's had to put up with in terms of some of the travel and you know, just life you know, when you're with a married in ministry. Um, thank you for this, and thank you for really truly the amazing teacher that she is, and thank you for the way she has uh, put our home together in beautiful ways and for our incredible kids and all that they're doing. And I just went, thank you, thank you, thank you. And all of a sudden, I looked at her, and I am driving down the Highway 1, and I kind of grab her, and I give her a kiss, like what you guys were doing in the middle of my talk, which, you know. <laughs> um, and I kind of give her a kiss, and she goes, what's that all about? And I just, I just want to tell you I love you. And she goes, oh, I thought you were mad at me because I said you had a double chit. <laughs> but I was like, well, we'll have to talk about that later. But you know what was interesting was? My circumstance hadn't changed. I still was kind of bugged at her that, I, that she had said that to me. And yet, you know what? I, I had every reason to be positive toward Kathy. And I was so grateful, but my circumstance hadn't changed, but my attitude had. So, you know, please, please hear that. We call this learned optimism. Again, one of the things that I've talked a lot about is things is that we learn traits of communication, whatever. Well, we can learn optimism. And I'm not saying you have to be Mr. or Miss Positive and Pollyanna. I'm just saying there is an optimism toward your spouse. And you have to lean into that in many ways. I have a friend who said, I've decided not to sweat the small stuff. Because I asked him, how, how do you do this in your marriage? Because it seems like they have kind of a high-maintenance marriage. And he said, I choose to be positive toward my extremely emotional wife and make... Being positive, my reflex reaction, and I love the word reflex reaction because he then said it's become my habit. So reflex reaction, is your reflex reaction to go positive towards your spouse or is your reflex reaction to go negative? I think that people who have good marriages actually have a reflex reaction to choose to have positivity toward their spouse. Now, speaking again of uh, Dr. Gottman, although he didn't create this, but he sure uses this a lot, it's called the magic ratio, and I want to introduce you to the magic ratio. And what he says the magic ratio is, is five uh, uh, positive interactions to one negative interaction. He said that's the magic ratio in a, in a relationship. And, then, and many other people have talked about this as well when you start looking at how relationships go. But if you're looking for a healthy relationship and a trait, if you have five positive interactions, well, there's some of us in here who have one-to-one. -one. one of the things that Gottman says is that if it's one-to-one, -one, then you could be going toward a divorce, see? And, so, and sometimes, look at your own life right now. What's your ratio? of going positive or going negative. Now, notice it says go negative. I mean, if you have a good relationship, and we talked about conflict yesterday, you're going to have some, you know, some negativity. But this magic ratio it, you know, is so, so key to it. We tend to go negative, and that tends to be a habit. So I'm going to let Kathy speak to that. So constant negativity kills, kills relationships. You know, he, like you said, we sometimes have to say the negative thing or the constructive criticism or whatever it is. But if it's a constant negativity, that can kill the relationship. So flee from it. In Philippians 2.14, says, do all things without grumbling and complaining. And that means doing marriage too, to do all things without grumbling and complaining. 
If we think negatively about our spouse, and it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if we're always just focused on the bad things, then it's almost like it, the whole marriage becomes that. Um, there is a verse in the Bible called Proverbs. It's Proverbs 23, 7. And it says, um, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And I want to add to that, as a woman thinks in her heart, so is she. And if we're constantly thinking on the negative, that can devour our marriage. It can ruin our relationship. So that's where we're talking about positivity and focusing on the positives and the things we're thankful for. Then that can change the whole atmosphere of our marriage. And remember we talked the first night about tone, and this really affects tone big time. Uh, what we think about, it's what we think about all day long. Our marriage can either be transformed or destroyed by how we view it. We also have problems and patterns in our relationship. Um, we all have problems and we all have patterns in our relationship. Right? Yep. I'm sorry. I'm just, um, problems are easier to resolve than patterns. So problems are like we might have one thing, right? Um, so we have this issue over here, like that I'm late all the time and it bugs you. So we have to deal with that problem and think about how we can do it with, with him being happier and with going along with who I am. But the pattern could be if that happens and then he goes into this negative thing where he then ignores me all day and won't talk to me and I don't know what's going on and then I get frustrated and we just it just spirals out of control. That's more of a pattern. So we need to think about, do we have, have problems and have we let them turn into patterns? Negative patterns can be broken, but it does take work and effort. So we can't just, we can't just go along and just let life happen. We really do need to be proactive. So to think about this, what are your negativity uh, blind spots? You know, we all have blind spots. And what are your habits? habits? What are your patterns? When we're choosing to be negative, remember that, did you hear that word choosing? Because we all choose, you know, that's what I'm saying is that even if we're doing it unconsciously, we're still choosing. So we just need to be more aware of what we're choosing. When we're choosing to be negative, ask ourselves this question, what's my real desire here? Do I want to prove I'm right or do I want to improve our relationship? So to be thinking about that. Mm -hmm. You know, I was thinking when Kathy was talking about negativity patterns, negativity blind spots, where you're going to find out who your, blind, where your negativity blind spots are, who, how are you going to know that? You're going to ask the person next to you, okay, because they will tell you what it is. And, you know, I know my negativity blind spots partly, and it's, it's actually, it spells out the word halt. Hmm. When I'm hungry, when I'm angry, when I'm lonely, and when I'm tired, I don't, that's not from me, that's actually from the recovery movement. Ang when I'm hungry, then I'm not in good control of my positivity or negativity. If I'm angry, lonely. And for me a lot, it's when I'm dangerously tired. I think you can be dangerously tired. And, and we talked about exhaustion. We've kind of talked about that at other times and overcommitment, fatigue, and all these kind of things. But really, I think that's one of the things that takes a marriage down. And mm -hmm. I had to learn what my blind spots were to go, wow, what I need to do right now is I know we should pray, but what I really need to do is eat something. See what I'm saying? And, I, and it's not that we shouldn't pray, but it's that sometimes i got to take care of what those things are going to be. Now, some of us really struggle with negativity, 
in the relationship. And that really does, as Kathy said, we've got to flee from it, it puts a wedge into it. So our daughter, uh, Rebecca, Rebecca has a master's degree in clinical psych and she's a great kid. And uh, a couple of years ago, about two years ago, she, taught, she goes, Dad, do you know what this word means? And I go, I've never even heard of the word. And it's actually in the dictionary. It's a new word in the dictionary. Are you ready for it? It's the word awfulize. And, and I love this quote. And actually, this is from the dictionary. It's a verb, it's informal, but it says, imagine a situation, a person who awfulizes, imagines the situation to be as bad as it can possibly be. I thought this was interesting because this is in the dictionary. I awfulized the upcoming confrontation I was planning to have with my spouse. So are you an awfulizer? Because again, a lot of people who are awfulizers going along with what Kathy's been saying about negativity, it doesn't work real well. It might be the woman who says, my husband is late from work again. He's probably having an affair. You know, our son is going to impregnate his entire class, and he's only in fifth grade, okay? Um, you know, we're never going to get out of debt. We're never going to be happy. We're never, never, never. And so what, what happens is people get in the habit, as Kathy said, the habit of awfulizing. Now, I'm going to show you another film, and this is a, a film uh, that is actually a counseling film, and it takes about seven minutes, but I've cut it down to two, so you're not going to get the whole gamut, okay? And so you're going to see the therapist have a conversation with a woman who's struggling with an issue, but his advice is actually good advice. Now, if you're a therapist, you're going to think this is a little silly, potentially, because it's so simple, <laughs> but for me, this is something that's key if we're awfulizers, okay? Now, if you are under 40, you're not going to know who Bob Newhart is. If you're over 40, like you guys, do you know who Bob Newhart is? You have no clue who this guy is, okay? Some of these people, like, you know, know this guy. They grew up with him on television, okay? So Bob Newhart is going to have a conversation with a woman who's struggling with a, a very complicated issue. Okay, so here it is. <laughs> I just I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No, no, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything about <laughs> Just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being 
being scared of being buried alive in a monster. You mean that sounds frightening. <laughs> It might take a little more, right, Laura, to deal with and just go, you, you probably wouldn't do that with all of your clients, just go, stop it, right now, just stop it, huh? You'd no, like to, maybe. Yeah, you might like to at times. It's so weird, because I had an MRI this week, and I had that total thing, <laughs> because I've had MRIs before, it wasn't like my first time, and I thought, oh, I can handle this, and I have my whole way, but in the middle of the MRI, my heart was beating out of my chest, and I thought, oh my gosh, I got to get out of this thing. <laughs> So I could totally relate. I understand. Yeah. Did, did you just stop it, or are you still struggling? Do we need I, to, like... No, I'm okay now. Uh, Laura, I'm okay. Laura has a 15 minutes time slot after this session okay, is over. Okay, here we go. To about. But anyway, stop it. Now, again, it's more complicated than that. But what I'm saying is, if you're going in that direction, you're going to have to move to another direction. It's a course correction. I was speaking in Houston, mm -hmm. And uh, the guy who was running this conference, I was talking to parents all day about teaching their, health, their children healthy sexuality, which is kind of a funny thing. They're like when you talk with, well, it was kind of like some of you last night. I was, we were talking about romance and sex, and your eyes were like you were junior hires having a conversation you know, with this. But he said to me in the middle of it, he said, you want to meet an astronaut? And I said, I would love to meet an astronaut. So his church backs up against NASA. And mm -hmm. so there was a guy, I could pick him out. He looked just like an astronaut. And um, so he, we walk over and I shake hands and I, I met him and I was all Google eyes over him. And then I said, hey, what is it like to be out in space? He'd been in space twice. I said, what's it like to be in space and have the people here? And I pointed to NASA, which literally was like where the dining hall is, wherever that is, but it's real close. And he said, he said well, actually, to be, have them in charge when you're out in space. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm not sure I'd like that. I have enough control issues. And he said, well, actually, they're only in charge 3% of the time. I said, what do you mean they're only in charge 3% of the time? He said, actually, we're going off course, and we do course, constant course corrections, and at 3% 3, 3 of the time, they put us back on course. And I thought, you know, that's a lot like marriage. We, we drift a bit, and what we need to do is figure out how to have course corrections, and frankly, if we're awfulizing, and if that's part of our DNA, we've got to be able to work through that. Because if we don't, I don't know one marriage, and this is, I'm, I don't try to say things like this without really thinking about it. I don't know one marriage where if one of the folks, and if both of them, it's in trouble, but if one of them awfulizes all the time, where that's a healthy, happy marriage, see? And so again, it's a simple message that's actually built on the foundation that Kathy talked about, but it's be adaptable, be positive, and then next is be kind. And, and really... Kindness matters big time, and, and I want Kathy to read some scripture to you that really does, I think, put it together in terms of even partially how we can you know, play this out. Okay, so kindness matters, and it's, it's definitely, we can see that in the Bible because kindness is, is a key concept throughout the Bible. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, even as in Christ God forgave you. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient, love is kind. I bet a lot of you had that at your wedding. Um, the next one is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yeah. So what we're trying to say here is, 
you know, you, you put on that kindness, but if she's not being kind to you, or if he's not being kind to you, then you be kind anyway. See, the point is, if you're a person who says, wait, I'm a Christian, and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, well, then what you're going to do is the fruit of that being filled with the Holy Spirit is actually one of them, of, of several up there, is to be kind. And if you're not being kind, if you think being mean to your spouse or being mean to your kids is going to draw them toward you, that's not going to work. Meanness doesn't work. And so what we've got to learn to do is to, is to be kind and make that you know, a proactive decision. So I've got a friend, her name is, is Shanti Feldhahn. Some of you maybe have read some of her books. She's a prolific, incredible writer. And she's a great person. She's a researcher out of Harvard. Her husband has a, a doctorate of law from Harvard. And uh, they're a great couple. They live in Atlanta. And I was speaking at a conference, 3,800 women. I called it the estrogen conference. And uh, <laughs> so it was me and the girls. And, um, and Shanti was also speaking at it. And Jeff was there. And so Jeff, her husband, and, and Shanti, they were in the green room. And I had just come off, and they were going to have a little bit of a break, and so I'm in the green room talking with them. And I said, Chanti, you got a new book out. I endorsed her book. It's called The Kindness Challenge. I said, how's it going? Only a researcher says this. She says, well, of the people who have done The Kindness Challenge, 89.3% of the people um, say that their marriage is better. And I'm like, whoa. I mean, I, no, no one ever says that about me because I don't do research. So I went, 89.3? I'd read the book. I'd endorsed the book. So what I want to do in conclusion for me, and then Kathy's going to come on. But what I want to do is just simply challenge you to live by Shanti's kindness challenge, because it blends perfectly. As we started looking at positive adaptability, we think her kindness challenge is perfect for, for us. And again, we ask you to do some things. We ask you to consider doing a date night if you don't do a date night. We ask you to consider spending 20 minutes a, a week in prayer, um, even if you needed a business meeting in terms of com uh, communication. But now we're going to ask you for 30 days to do the kindness challenge. And, and it's this, it's very simple. Number one is, nix the negative. You know, you just heard us pound on this, okay? And so what that means is say nothing negative either to your spouse or about your spouse to someone else. Can you do that? If somebody did this, if you nix the negative, now again, you can have conversations without being negative where you even agree to disagree. There's things even here, this weekend, Kathy and I have agreed to disagree with even on some content stuff. Um, as you know, your guys are doing stuff and we're sitting in there kind of talking through some content and I'll go, okay, we'll do that. But I didn't really necessarily totally agree with her, but I didn't, I just wanted to nix the negative. So for 30 days, it might take you 48 if it was like me, I had to go back and start over again a few times. But <laughs> element number one is nix the negative. Hmm. Number two is practice praise. Can you, for the next 30 days, be a person who's mindful, make sure you get that word mindful, mindful of practicing praise with your spouse. Every day, find one positive thing that you can sincerely praise or affirm your spouse on. And tell them, but then also tell somebody else. So I started practicing this with Kathy when I was kind of thinking about this. And I really, it was, it was like, it, I was mindful in the morning, I would, I would you know, think about something. And I didn't tell her that I was doing that. But I honestly believe that our, mar our marriage and our relationship the emotional climate was better because I was actually taking a moment just to, and it wasn't always just praising her about our marriage. It would be, I mean, my, I might praise her about how I thought she looked beautiful that day, or I might praise her about something that she did with one of the kids, or she's involved in a Bible study where we call her Pastor Kathy because she's got all these women who you know, are, are come to her on a daily, hourly basis. I'm not bitter or anything. Um, and, um, and so I praised her for that because she's an amazing pastor, really. She's not a pastor. 
you know, she didn't have like the licensing or the ordination, but she lives her life out as a pastor in a beautiful, wonderful way. And so in doing that, I found that these were all true statements about praise, and you have 30 days of praise within you for your spouse. Even if you came here a little frustrated, and a couple of you did because we've talked. But you can find something to be mindful of being uh, of practicing yeah. praise with them. And then lastly is carry out kindness. You know, kindness is really a lot about generosity. And in many ways, every day do a, a, a random small act of kindness or generosity toward your spouse. And it might be that if they want you to fold the towels a certain way, that instead of kind of going, I have my way, you just fold the towels and you quietly do it the right way. It might mean that you do something different with dinner, or if you're not used to washing the dishes, that you actually go wash those dishes. Or, you know, a lot of times it is an act of service that is, you know, a, an act of kindness as well. But in doing that, then I think Shanti's right, that if you would walk out of here and 30 days, don't just make this a, a, a retreat and go, oh, this was cool and it was fun and we were here at Mount Hermon, we had a great experience. Instead, walk out of here and put something to practice. And it might be this, this, this kindness challenge. Kathy has a really great scripture that is very important to us that, uh, that, I, that she's going to share now. Okay, so um, 46 years ago, um, we were engaged. We got married in May, so we had gotten engaged in September. So around this time, 46 years ago, we were doing our premarital counseling. And uh, Ron Klein was the person who married us. He was the dean of students at our college. We were, like, really young. We were 20 and 21 when we got married. So, you know, that's just unheard of now pretty much. But anyhow, we were really young, and so we needed a lot of help. And um, he, we did our premarital counseling. But you know what? I really don't remember very much that he said. I mean... One of the main things he said to me was that I would have, because Jim was going to be in ministry, because he already knew he'd been called to ministry, that I was going to have to give him up. I mean, what 20-year-old wants to hear that? You know, it's like crazy. But anyway, that was our premarital counseling. But, you know, there was one thing that he shared that I always go back to and, and is very meaningful to me, and it's, it's out of the Bible, and it's um, Colossians. Colossians, I want to make sure I get this right, 3, 12 through 14 is what I have. And this is what it says. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive each other. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so we must forgive each other. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. And I just, I think those verses are so good. And, you know, I think if we just lived by those every day, I mean, a lot of the things we've talked about are incorporated in those verses. And those, um, those verses, God's call to us to how we're to live with other Christians really applies in our marriages. And that would, I think, help resolve a lot of our issues and help us have more successful marriages. Mm -hmm. We love that scripture because it says, put on kindness. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't say it's just going to be natural. It's not natural. Relationships are messy. Relationships are hard. Mm -hmm. We bump into each other. But when you 
proactively put on kindness as well as the other beautiful things in that scripture, that makes a lot more, um, uh, well, a lot, it makes it a lot, I think, not always easy, but a lot um, better in terms of the relationship. One of the things what we want to do at the end of this is actually God gave us generosity and kindness in the fact that he sent his only son to die for us on a cross. And, you know, this has been a marriage conference, and it's not been a preaching conference. So we haven't, you know, I mean, we've obviously used Scripture, and we believe that our principles come out of the Scripture, but we really haven't focused as much on the, the one fact, that Jesus Christ died on a cross, um, he bled, and he died, and he sacrificed his life so you and I could have life eternal. And, and really, we are here because of his forgiveness. We are here. And in fact, there are times when I am so arrogant that I will accept God's forgiveness for me on a daily basis and confess my sins and expect him to forgive me of my sins and then be bugged at her for something that she's done that's a lot less than what I did, and yet God is generous with his love, and he's generous with his forgiveness. And I think the beautiful way to end this conference is actually for us to participate in the Lord's Supper. Now, I realize different people come from different um, you know, types of... of, of uh, denominations and ministry backgrounds and whatnot. And so this is a, an opportunity for you. If you don't want to do it, great, but don't leave because we're, we'll close with a, uh, a cool benediction.